Welcome to BC Buckets, the official podcast of Briarcliff University men's basketball. This is Matt Gall here at the basketball offices in the Newman Flanagan Center overlooking Rainaki Court, and I'm joined here by head men's basketball coach Mark Sfigera. Great to be back for another episode, Matt. Also joining us is our tech guy, Bobby Beach Patterson. Yeah, it's good to be back. I've been gone for a couple of weeks, unfortunately, but uh, glad to be back uh, on the podcast. It's weekly now, so this is going to be good. Uh, Make sure you look us up on Twitter and subscribe to BC Buckets on iTunes. And don't forget to send us your questions and comments to bcbucketspodcast at gmail.com. We've got a special treat for everybody today as we're joined this week by head women's basketball coach, Mike Power. And coach, before we dive into talking about your uh, roster and your schedule, I got to ask because your first game is this Tuesday, the 30th. Uh, which is the day this podcast will actually get released. And I'm going to ask the question I think everyone's going to want to know. Uh, any chance we're going to see the coaching staff in Halloween costumes for this first game? <laughs> no. not Well, not from the head coach. I can't <laughs> speak for the assistant coaches, but no, no. Yeah, you know what? I might dress up uh, in all white and <laughs> be like an angel or something like that. Okay. You know, it's funny, Coach Power, because I was thinking about dressing up as Mike Power for our first game, being that this is Halloween week. <laughs> that would that'd be a good one. Yeah, maybe we can get some of the student section involved. I'm sure there's going to be some of those guys uh, and gals showing up in costume for the game. So uh, welcome, and, and thanks for joining us here on the podcast. We're excited to have you here. Obviously, we've been talking a lot about the men's program, but uh, I know you've been just as busy getting prepared for this season. And so we wanted to bring you in to talk about your roster, who you've got coming back, some of your newcomers, and then uh, just about the upcoming schedule. So let's start with your roster, and, and can you tell us about some of the impact returners and some of the new kids on the roster that you think are going to make an impact for you this year? Sure. Um, <clears throat> well, we got um, – Two, two captains, two seniors, Taylor Vasa, Taylor Wagner, um, both been with the program for four years and have been very dedicated. Looking forward to having a great year with both of them. I think they're great leaders. Um, and hopefully, finally, for with Taylor Wagner, she's been injury prone pretty much through her career. Knocking on wood here, but if she stays healthy, hopefully this could be a really breakout year for her, um, stepping up and kind of doing the things that we've always envisioned that she could do. Um, and then also Alyssa Carley, great three-point shooter. Hopefully, hopefully we can get her enough threes. I think in the past it's probably been probably a coaching problem as far as that goes, and not letting her get enough threes up. But we're definitely going to give her a green light, kind of letting uh, men's basketball programs wearing on on us a little bit. <laughs> um, they make it look fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, wish we had as many three-point shooters as they did. I mean, they do right now. So, But uh, Faith Trudinsky, she's really changed her game. I mean, I think she's going to be really good, too, for us. I mean, she's one player that's in here all the time. Um, she's kind of like Jay Wolf for the men's program. She's Those two, I think, if you hear a ball bouncing and look down there, it's going to be one of the two, if not both, at the same time, <laughs> down one end and the other. So uh, those – and then Logan Ellers is another player that I think uh, I have to mention a little bit as far as she's putting a lot of work, has knee surgery. I think she could have a really breakout year or two for us this year. So with those being some of our um, – top returners we have a few newcomers too that i think will help out and i know you've got some changes on your coaching roster can you tell us about who's going to be assisting you this year yeah um bailey purdy she's coming from kansas wesleyan she was a uh, grad assistant there for the last two years played her college ball at regis university um she's done a fantastic job so far i've been very very pleased with everything from everything off the court as far as um 
things that she does. She's going to be ahead of like our recruiting and has done a great job with that already. Uh, and then Taylor Hinnensgaard, she, uh, she's uh, from North Dakota, Lake Region, and she's uh, another North Dakota myself. So mm -hmm. it's nice to have another North Dakota on the staff, so it's nice to have her. Now looking at your schedule, if you just glance at your uh, schedule, especially the first half of the year, if you look at it real quick, you you might mistake it for a national tournament bracket <laughs> the way yep. you have uh, a lot of ranked teams lined up right away in the first 10 or so games of the year. And let me just kind of go through that uh, real quick. Seven of your first 10 games are against ranked teams, and that includes three of the top four teams in the country. So I know we talked about Halloween a little bit at the top of this podcast, <laughs> but that, that certainly sounds like a, a scary road ahead of you, but probably an opportunity, too, to see what you, your team has and, and make a statement, too. Yeah, it's, uh, tell you the truth, be honest with you, the, the, as far as kind of laying that out that way, it really wasn't done on purpose as far as the non-conference. We started this thing up last year where we do a crossover with the Chicago Land Conference. So Morningside ourselves played all of that Nazarene and Xavier. But we wanted to make sure it was, you know, I, I looked at it the other day. It's funny you said that. I looked at it the other day. We're going to be the only team in that thing that's not ranked uh, oh, wow. of, of the four teams that are going to be playing in that little crossover. So yeah, we had that come out of the gate and then turn around and play Jamestown. And then our after those two, our first home, home, two home games is the number one team, and, and I'm not sure where Morningside is ranked, but always tough in the conference. But, you know, then again, you know, when you say that, all these ranked teams, in our conference there's so many. I think we got five ranked mm -hmm. teams in the conference. So, really, you're, when you get into conference play, you're already playing great competition. So, you can't really duck competition in any aspect, no matter where we go. And I think you only get better by playing the better teams. Well, in the last several years or so, you guys have fared pretty well. Uh, especially with your first game of the season, you guys are four and one in season openers the last five years. You're seven and three the last ten years. So uh, it seems like you guys have been able to come out of the gate and, and play competitively, you know, right away. So how do you think? You know, your first game is this Tuesday, which is the day this podcast will air. So a lot of people listening to this, uh, make sure you get to the gym tonight to watch the game against Dakota State. But you know, how do you think your girls are prepared to come out and start that first game? I tell you what, we just at this time of the year, you're tired of beating on each other and playing against each other. So I tell you, they're chomping up the bit to we all are just play somebody different, and you know, just curious to see how the season's going to go. As far as you know, we got some. I think from a lot of people across the country, and, and well, especially in our conference, by mere fact of where they ranked us being ninth. Um, I just think some people think that we're kind of the same team that we were last year because we got a lot of the same players. Mm -hmm. But I do think where there's a lot of differences. And, you know, there's doing this for so long, there's when you lose some players and then you add some players, no matter if you lost one or two players from that team before and you add one or two players new, the chemistry changes. And I think we got a totally different type of chemistry with this group of kids than we have had in the last couple of years. And my understanding is this is your 19th season uh, with the Charger program? I think so. And. You know, I know over that course of time, you've been known for an up-tempo, uh, controlled chaos style. And I think the last couple years, you know, that, that changed a little bit into more of a, uh, of a, I guess, slower tempo. And rumor has it you're looking <laughs> to push things up uh, again this year. So what, what drives those decisions? Is it the personnel that you have, the kids that you have on the court, or just a, a philosophy on how you're going to tackle, you know, a certain season? Well, I think when we changed a couple of years ago, we did that because, just because personnel, we just thought we 
more conducive to play a little slower just because of the the talent that we had and the type of athletes we had at the time. Um, you know, did that for the last two years, and we kind of got to the point where it's like, all right, you know, whether we're 100% ready to do it, let's just do it um, because it's going to, I think it's going to help us in two ways. I think it's probably the best for this team, but going forward, it's going to help us with recruiting because then the kids will see the style that we want to recruit and they can and they can get those kids. So hopefully that will be a type of thing where, you know, it just helps us in the recruiting process going forward. And plus, I love playing that way and coaching that way. It's so hard these last couple of years been, you know, just really hard to coach that way when you just trying to be methodical and, and do things that are a little bit different than we have done. So, yeah, I, I think we're going to be good this way. I think it should be good overall. And I, the girls embraced it really well, so mm-hmm. that's a great – that's a big part about it. They can sell them on it, and they've done a really good job of buying in on it. Mm-hmm. A few podcasts ago, we talked about the men's early schedule with a lot of travel. Uh, you guys certainly are going to be on the road a lot with your trip to Chicago and then uh, right away heading up to Jamestown. So I asked Coach Figuera this. I'll ask you, how do you how does the team stay entertained on the bus rides? <laughs> they sleep most of the time. These it's are college kids. They, they, you know, honestly, they, they sleep and study. Uh, they, they do a lot of that, uh, truly, on the road trips. So it's... It's amazing because um, it's a different than when my college days when we we went on road trips. Um, it was never like that. We didn't do a lot of the – we might have slept a little bit, but I, I can guarantee you there wasn't as much studying going down <laughs> as much as is going on with our bus. I mean, our kids do a really good job with that. And then if there is anything, movies. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of – it's kind of weird. It's kind of going away. But if they do watch movies, I think I've seen every Disney movie there is. That's, that, they love to watch a Disney movies. We've been asking our guests on the podcast their favorite basketball movies, so I, I figured since you brought that topic up, uh, what's your go-to basketball movie? <laughs> I think it's everybody's, isn't it? Hoosiers? I, that's been a popular answer so far. Yep. I think we had Glory Road last time. Yeah, I think at some point we're going to have to just take Hoosiers out of it and uh, say what's your favorite basketball movie that's not Hoosiers. Everybody loves Hoosiers. Yeah, it's going to be up there for everybody. So let's ask you that. Your next oh, man, favorite. That'd be tough. After that... You know, I really don't watch a lot of, like, basketball movies, truly. Um, I do like the one, though, back in the 80s. What was the name? Nick Nolte was in it. and um, Blue, Chips. Blue Chips. Chips. I love that one. Yep. That's a good one. That's a good one. What, anybody pick that one? I don't think anybody's picked that yet. Um, Matt and I haven't got into a deep discussion about <laughs> basketball movies yet. That's definitely on my top three or four for sure. It's Yeah, it'd it, it have to be up there, definitely. You got an all-star cast in there, let's oh, be honest. Shaquille O'Neal, Penny Hardaway, Bobby Knight. I mean, what more can you ask for in a basketball movie than that right there? Fun fact about that movie, Shaquille O'Neal was actually a basketball player. He played in the NBA for several (laughs) years, uh, aside from acting. Of course, everyone knows him from uh, the movies. Kazam. Kazam, of course. He also had a video game called Shaq Fu for Sega Genesis back in the mid-90s. I don't know about that. that. I did not know that. Yeah, Marketing genius Shaquille O'Neal was back in the mid-90s. Yeah, apparently. All right, so Coach Power, you and I now, we've worked together for going on eight years. I think we, we share a lot of the same philosophies on, on how to run a program and, you know, the kind of culture we try to, to build within our program. Obviously, there's a lot of ins and outs that, that each of us do that are a little different. We probably have some very differing philosophies on things. And one I want to talk about is, is let's talk about courtside fashion. So... You have a very distinct style, Coach. And, and I guess the question that everybody wants to know, 
when, how, and why did the All Black come about? Well, truly, that really, honestly, it started way back, uh, I can't remember, sometime in the 90s. And we played a game, I don't even remember, where, it was here. And um, I came out wearing, I don't know why, I just wore All Black one day. And um, I remember the PA announcer at the time was Derek Flynn here at Briarcliff. Started going, um, Johnny Cash. He goes, Johnny Cash just came and he said, I want to play Burns. So he play, started playing it, Burns, Burns, Burns. And so it was kind of a running joke back then with a bunch of the PA guys and uh, my assistants and stuff. So we'd only, we'd only, he'd always say, you can only wear black on these big games. And so it's kind of what we did back then. But then, you know, as you got older, when I put the black on, and this is a true story, you know, black makes you look skinnier. And as you're getting older, you know, you kind of want to just make fool people that you're kind of in, in better shape than what you really are. So has it always been, you know, black pants and like a mock turtleneck? Was it ever a suit? Have you ever been a suit guy, a sport coat guy, or have you always kind of been a little more free, uh, a little more comfortable probably? I hate ties. hate ties. I it just, especially coaching because, you know, you I feel like I can almost hang myself when I start pulling on it and just – no, I, I, I've never been big on ties, and I kind of felt like I kind of broke away from that a little bit when I was at Metro State with Coach uh, Dunlap. And watching him coach, it was the first time I saw – actually, I ever worked with another men's coach that he never wore a tie, and he wore just whatever, you know, button-up shirts or whatever. He never never had a tie. And it was always amazing. Funny, it was funny story about that is when he went to the National Tournament the first time – out in Louisville in the NCAA Division II women's game, his wife had to actually go to the store that day, the morning of the game being broadcast on CBS, and go get a tie because he didn't have any ties. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm right with you, Coach. You know, we talked on an earlier podcast about how I dress on the sidelines, and I ditched ties when I became a head coach, and it's actually pretty liberating. Um, you know, a little more free, a little, little less hot. You know, that tie keeps you warm when the, the top button's buttoned. So I get where you're coming from for sure. Well, and I sit up close and, and personal at those games, and I think both of you have been fired up a few times where I don't think even if you had a tie on, it would last very long. You'd either be snapped in half or you'd be thrown halfway across the gym. So I guess the fewer uh, – I think you're actually talking to Mike more than you're talking to me right now, Matt. I don't get that fired up on the sideline. Maybe not as often, but uh, we talked about the floor punch last week. So, And I think there's been a, a clipboard maybe that's fallen victim to you as well. But we won't get up so into that. So how, how many technicals have you had so far? Well, I, I managed to go the whole first year with zero technicals, and I'm hoping to keep that streak going. You know, and, and here's the thing. A lot of times, you know, I, I do get fired up on the sidelines. I am a little demonstrative at times. More often than not, it's, it's towards our players, not the officials. You know, I, I think for the most part, and I, I think we all are as coaches, I think we're pretty respectful to the officials. We disagree, you know, but there's, there's times where you're going to get after them a little bit. But I think if you're generally respectful, they're going to they're gonna give you a pass every once in a while. I agree. I can't say that when my first year of being a head college head coach that I had zero technicals. I can promise you that. <laughs> Do you know how many you have in your career? Do you have a ballpark? No idea. I, I don't even want to try to guess. Over under 30. Well, you got to remember back when I started in <laughs> 1988, it took three technicals to get thrown out of a game, and not two. And so there was – few games that I had been thrown out, well, actually quite a few, that was thrown out, and that means I had three in each one of those games. So, yeah, it was um, – Coach Sale, who's over at Morningside, was my assistant. So you, he, he'd probably be a better person to ask the question about how many technicals because he was always – he was the next man up. So he always had to take over. 
So I think it's a safe bet to say it's over 30 in your career for sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Quite a few times three gets you pretty <laughs> close to 30, I think. I'm not proud of it. Believe me, I'm not proud. Learned a lot. So when Matt said that, I was thinking to myself, I haven't had a technical four years probably, I think. Three, four years? No. Well, it, it's funny. You know, when I started at Briarcliff as the assistant, you know, I knew who you were. You know, I'd been around the GPAC when you were coaching and, and all that. So I knew you got pretty fired up. And there was a few times early on where I would say to Nick as we're watching your games, like, hey, power's due here. He's getting a technical real quick. And you never did. You know, I, I don't think you've had a whole lot in my time at Briarcliff. No, I, I think it's been four years now that since I've had a technical. and hoping to keep that streak. Well, Coach, we're looking forward to uh, a season with a team that's probably flying a little bit under the radar here. And I know uh, despite any preseason GPAC rankings or anything like that, you're going to go into a season with big goals and, and your players want to you know, make a statement. So what would you tell your supporters and, and tell potential recruits just about you know, what to look for this season out of Briarcliff women's basketball? Well, I, th I think the big thing is going to be that it's going to be, well, first of all, it's going to be interesting to see when we get in those difficult situations when the game gets tighter or somebody starts on a run. I want to see, want to see if the things that I think that's going to be that type of team is they're going to fight. You know, I felt like the last couple of years we've kind of pulled our tents a little bit and it got really ugly at times. So mm -hmm. I think, um, I think this group of kids so far, what they've shown so far, and practice and the scrimmage we had and all that, I think they're going to be more fighters. And I think this can be kids that are going to be, they're going to come out and give 100% all the time. A lot more loose ball situations where hopefully we're going to win in those 50-50 balls like we used to. And I just think the kids have a lot more energy. They put a lot of time and energy into it. I, I, I don't think people put that kind of time and energy into the game of basketball and don't love it and don't have a passion for it and then kind of go out there and just quit on things. So I think this team is going to be a team that's going to going to work extremely hard. And you know, I've been proud of them so far. And talks cheap, though. You know, you got to go out and get it done, and we'll see what happens when we start. As you already said, you know, we get out, we're going to get jumped in the fire right really quick, and we'll find out what we're made of because you know there's going to be some tough situations that we're going to come across in games, or even within the game, there'll be some really tough times. So we just got to find out what what this team how they react to that. Coach, appreciate you stopping in. Uh, Tuesday, October 30th at 7 p.m. here in the Newman Flanagan Center. Dakota State comes to town to play your Briarcliff Chargers. And so uh, we're excited for that game. I'll certainly be there uh, checking things out from the scorer's table. Can't wait for this season. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, one thing really quick. I think this podcast is awesome. I love listening to podcasts. And so I love, and when you guys, when Mark told me you guys are having one, I thought that's a great idea. And I, I love listening to it. I think you guys do a great job. And We'll try to see if we can get this uh, pushed out further and further. Maybe it becomes huge. Maybe right now, you, Mark won't be coaching anymore. He might be just doing <laughs> broadcasting. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> Maybe wishful thinking, but uh, I do think we have the best NAI basketball podcast there is right now for sure. I agree 100%. Number one. I'm not biased at all, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate that, and you're absolutely welcome anytime, and I'm sure we'll probably uh, get some updates from you throughout the season about how things are going. Well, thanks. With you. I'm very blessed to be on this, guys. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks, Coach. Good luck this year. Thank you. So, Coach Figueroa, we're going to turn uh, the discussion now over to talk about the men's program. You also start games this week. Your first game occurs on Monday the 29th, so this podcast will get released Tuesday the 30th. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast, that game already occurred. And so I guess I'll ask the question, Coach, 
you know, obviously most of the people listening to this are probably going to be looking up what happened in last night's game if they weren't there. What are you hoping that newspaper headline and, and that story talk about from Monday night's game? Well, I hope the headline says something about Briar Cliff getting a win and starting the season 1-0. You know, how that article's going to read. Honestly, I think it's a, it's a combination of a couple things. I think our, our offense will need to be clicking. You know, we'll need to, to get some easy baskets to get us going early in the game. I think our defense, which, you know, I've already mentioned, is probably a little behind where our offense is. I think that's nature of the beast in college basketball. Offense is a little easier, and guys pick it up a little bit quicker. But I, I would hope that we forced some turnovers that, that generated some easy points for our offense. And, uh, you know, to win that game, we're going to have to do a good job rebounding. You know, just knowing presentation, they're a very aggressive offensive rebounding team and and they're going to come after us and so we're going to have to handle that and and get ourselves some easy points if we can get clean rebounds and get out and go we'll get some transition points on them I think so coach uh, you know as we record this obviously it's Sunday so we're a day before that game Uh, I know we've talked in previous podcasts that you were working a few things out with the roster to to figure out who you're going to settle on for that starting five so who are going to be the five taking the floor at the beginning of the game Monday night well, that's a good question, Matt, and we have been sorting some things out and actually had a little bit of a, a tough week this past week with some sickness. Um, we had a broken nose our second one of the year, you know, so a couple minor injuries. And, in fact, on Thursday we only had 12 of our 17 for practice, and hopefully today we're back to 16 and one guy's going to be out for a couple more weeks. But uh, tomorrow night, that first game, we're going to start Eric Erdman at the point guard spot. And then at the three other guard spots, we'll go with Jay Wolf, Jackson Lamb, Nick Lutmer, and then we'll start Jeff Dobbinton at the big guy spot. You know, and we've talked about a lot of those guys. It's a lineup we're really confident with. I think they, they're playing really well together as a group. You know, I think that's really important. When you look at starting lineups, it's not always necessarily who's the best five players. I think sometimes you need to find the five that play best together because that's so important how you start the game. You know, there's nothing worse than being down eight to two right out of the gate, or or ten to three, or something like that. So I think we have a group that's really good defensively together, and I think it's a group that's really going to move the ball and make easy plays and get open shots for each other on the offensive end. You know, and I think I think society in general, but basketball people might be the worst. Put so much stock into starting and not starting, and it's not something that I put a lot of stock into. You know. We probably talk as a coaching staff more about who's going to finish games for us. You know, when it's tight on the line and we need good things to happen late in the game, who's going to be in at that juncture? And that's so much more important who the finishers are than the starters. But uh, that is the group we're going to go with. And we've got, you know, about 10, 11 guys we're ready to, to throw into the fire and, and get some minutes here right off the bat this week. How do you feel like your depth this year stacks up with some of the squads you guys have put on the floor the last few years? Well, I think potentially we'll be as deep, if not deeper, than a year ago. Um, we have some freshmen who are pretty talented, have, have proven they're ready to go, you know, and that's only going to add to our depth. We have some guys that are going to be coming off the bench that can really score the ball. You know, a guy like Ethan Friedel comes to mind. You know, he's a volatile scorer. Um, and he'll he'll be our sixth man, first guy off the bench, and he gives us an instant threat the second he steps on the floor. And so we have a lot of really good guards who can shoot the ball, um, a lot of, I hate to use this phrase, but a lot of interchangeable pieces um, that are pretty versatile and do a lot of different things, and so it's going to give us options. And even at the big guy spot, you know, we have three guys that are, that are ready to, to go there. You know, Jeff's going to start, and then sophomore Austin Ropeman and freshman Kyle Borhave are going to play. 
and all three of those guys are a little different in their own way, and so it gives the other team a different look. It gives our offense and our defense a little bit different look depending on who's in the game. So I, I think our depth's going to be really good. That's something that obviously we're going to need to develop as we get going into games here, but uh, I think we have a chance to have some nice depth and, and potentially just wear down some opponents who maybe aren't as deep as we are. So like we said, that by the time you're listening to this out there uh, in podcast land, this game will have already occurred, but we do have a couple games coming up then. Uh, down in Kansas on Friday and Saturday, November 2nd and 3rd. Uh, you guys have Friends University on Friday, and then you follow that up with Bethany College on Saturday afternoon. Uh, what do you know about those teams as you head down south? Well, we, we did play both of them last year. Uh, they came up here and played us a year ago. You know, we have a little familiarity. Both of them have actually right now already played a couple games, so we've had a chance to see them already. Um, you know, we play Friends on Friday night, and, and Friends is a talented team. I think they're much improved from a year ago. We beat them pretty handily a year ago. But they have they have a guy who led this country in scoring last year. His name's Jordan Murdoch, and he is, in my time coaching, he's one of the most skilled scorers I've ever watched. And he presents a lot of matchup problems. He's a big, strong physical player that can do a lot of different things he can post he can shoot he can drive he can pass he can rebound I mean he's he's the real deal you know he averaged 31 points a year ago and so that's going to present some issues for us and we'll come up with a plan on how to guard that but they also have some new guys on their team that I think have really bolstered their roster they have a a transfer point guard a transfer big guy so they're going to be good it's going to be their home opener you know and anytime you go on the road you've got to be ready to compete at a high level from the get-go you know, so that's that's going to be a fun game. They're getting votes in the national poll. You know, so that's kind of a, a big preseason game right there. And then the next day we go to Bethany, and I think they're much improved from last year as well. They got picked pretty low in their own conference, but looking at who they played already, they've already beat two GPAC schools um, over the last five, six days here. So it's going to be one of those trips where, you know, I think it's going to be fun to get out on the road with our team. But at the same time, we need to we need to have the mentality that we're going to have to be really good to come away from that weekend 2-0. You talked about friends receiving some votes, so that kind of leads us in uh, to uh, something I know coaches don't always like to talk about uh, as you head into a season, but you know I think it's something worth worth talking about. Uh, some preseason rankings that came out in the last week, and first I'll talk about uh, the GPAC coaches poll, preseason coaches poll, where Briarcliff was uh, picked to finish second, and then the NAIA national poll where Briarcliff came in at the 10 spot so like I said I know as a coach you probably uh, tell your guys not to take a a lot of stock in that because at the end of the day it doesn't matter when you get into February but uh, you know rankings do give your opponents something to put on the the uh, bulletin board it gives fans a little extra something to come out and cheer against you guys about Um, so you know there there can be an effect there for your guys even though you're going to go into every game with the attitude that you need to to really bring it on the court to beat whoever it is you're playing so tell me about those rankings and how your guys have responded well you know here's my thing with preseason polls whether that's a conference poll or a national poll on one hand it's nice to get that recognition you know I think what that means is we've had some success recently as a program you know we obviously had a great season a year ago I think it means on a national level you know there's some respect for Briarcliff basketball and that's certainly a positive thing on the flip side of it you know, it's still a guess. You know, as coaches, we vote in the coaches' poll for the conference, you know, and you kind of try to look at, okay, who did they lose? Who did they bring back? Who did they bring in? Um, you know, and it's really just a guess. You know, and a lot of it does depend on kind of where 
you finished the year before. And so, yeah, we finished second last year. We got picked second this year. And so the recognition of it is nice. What we tell the guys is it doesn't really matter. What it, what it does to us, it puts a pretty big target on our back. And, you know, we've talked about that before, Matt. We don't shy away from the fact that, you know, people are trying to come for us, and I think that's great. I'd rather be in that position than, than the other one. You know, so it, it's something we talk to the guys briefly about it. It's not something we're going to dwell on. And at the risk of sounding very cliche, you know, we're going to be a lot more worried about where we're ranked and where we're sitting in the conference come late January, early February. We had talked with Coach Power about how uh, his teams have fared with their season openers the last few years. Uh, looking at your schedule from the last 10 years, you guys are 9-1 and one in your last 10 season opening games, 5-0. and oh in your last five uh, yeah and i remember the one it was a frustrating loss about uh 2013 at grandview down in des moines yep. yep that was a frustrating game we had a lot of chances to win um and that was a that was a year you know you'll remember some of these names shane graves brian forbes austin leffler those guys were all freshmen on that team and playing big minutes we were really really young that year and had a lot of chances to win that game and our youth was really exposed i think in late game situations and that one that was a frustrating loss you did get them back in 2014 in that season opener. We did, pretty handily, I believe. Uh, so you guys are averaging in those in those five season opening games about 96 points uh, per game. So you talked about your offense really needing to show up, and obviously that's going to be a big strength um, for you guys. So let's put the over under at 96. How you feeling about Monday night's game? Oh man, I'd rather not answer that. But I, if we're clicking because of the pace we play. You know, there's going to be a lot of possessions in the game. And so to score 96 points, I certainly wouldn't be shocked if we were over that. I wouldn't be shocked if we were under it. You know, not to straddle the fence here. Our offense has been pretty good in our couple of scrimmages. We've shot the ball well. We've really shared the ball. Um, you know, our assist to turnover numbers have been really good. And I always, I always think that something that's important is number of assists compared to number of made shots. We've been over 50% in both of our scrimmages in terms of percentage of baskets that we've assisted on and I, I think that's important that's a real sign of an unselfish team a team that shares the ball finds the open man and that really makes us go we talked to our guys a lot about extra passes and extra extra passes you know just getting multiple guys involved one of the things that's so nice about having depth and multiple weapons offensively is we don't have to rely on one guy every single night Erdman Wolf Lamb those guys can all score a ton of points you know but we don't need any single one of them to every night give us 25 to be successful and I think that's exciting it gives us a little versatility in, in what we call you know offensively in terms of sets or plays but it also takes a lot of pressure off an individual player when they know even if even if they don't have it going that night they know someone's going to step up and and get some points for them and Bobby your student coach with the program uh, obviously you have some insight into uh, you know where the guys heads are at how prepared they are for the season uh, again which uh, can't believe it starts tomorrow night already so what's been your kind of your view on how the guys are coming into this season and in where their focus is at yeah you know Matt kind of uh, to reiterate what coach power said it's kind of gotten to the point where yeah we've had a couple scrimmages but uh, just talking to the guys they're really excited and really looking forward to playing someone else I know a couple of freshmen having to go up against Eric and Jay every day. A couple of All-Americans gets a little frustrating and everything, but it makes them better in the long run, and it uh, gives them that experience that we need heading into the uh, back half of the season and whatnot. But, yeah, it's just really gotten to the point that uh, we're just excited to play someone else and uh, see what uh, see what we can do this year. You ready to get going? 
for this season? Yeah, me and Ethan Urban have been uh, not only uh, mentally preparing, but uh, just kind of physically preparing, getting packed for the, the road trip tomorrow. So, yeah, well, we're looking forward to it. And uh, me and Ethan are looking to have big years on the uh, student coaching side of things. So if there was to be a preseason GPAC poll for two-on-two student coach teams throughout the GPAC, where would you put you and Ethan? I would like to say that we would be top half just because of Ethan's um, basketball game mm-hmm. and style and philosophy. But uh, – uh, a little personal, just kind of emphasis. I, I kind of bring us back a little bit. Um, I'm very lackluster when it comes to finishing inside the paint and finishing strong. But uh, Ethan, just like his brother Eric, has uh, got a beautiful three-point jumper. So uh, he, he definitely brings us up. But I'd like to say that I kind of bring us back a little bit. But, I mean, kind of it's kind of a, something that me and Ethan do before every single game. We kind of look and see if they have student coaches or like managers that we can take on in a game and if we can compete with them or beat them. And there's a lot of teams that I would like to say we would, but uh, there's a couple that uh, we might uh, struggle against, but Ethan definitely carries a load in that aspect. Coach Figueroa, any chance we can get that going as like a halftime uh, display at our home games, get the student coaches up against each other up to five or something like that? Well, it's funny you ask that. You know, that's actually a real thing at the Division One level. You know, those programs have so many student managers. You know, we're talking anywhere from six to 15 managers on their squad. And it's something they do the night before games. You know, like the Big Ten, they keep standings of what managers teams have the most wins and what their record is. And it's something Corey Hobbs a couple of years ago as our as one of our student coaches, he brought up the idea and I told him he should try to organize it, but I don't think anything really ever came of it. And I, and I think Bobby and Ethan, I think they'd win some games. I think they'd take some some losses cuz they'd really struggle defensively. You know, I don't think any one of the either one of them's going to hang their hat on defense. They're going to hang their hat on shooting threes and and scoring points. So, but uh, I got a question for Bobby. You know, and it's a question I asked coach Power you know, about his sideline fashion. And, you know, you and Ethan have a distinct style at least one day a week. You want to talk about that? Yeah, you know, I do. And uh, a lot of the listeners probably know what I'm about to talk about. And the one day you're referencing to is Saturday. And a little thing that me and Ethan, uh, a tradition that we actually carried over from, I believe it started with Corey Hobbs and uh, Jared Mao, the sweater vest Saturday is what we like to call it. You know, it's actually gotten a, such a big deal uh, that this year, instead of getting team polos, Ethan and I actually got uh, some team sweater vests. So uh, they've got the uh, Briarcliff logo on it. So I know Ethan and I, we kind of got an early Christmas gift and a nice little present there from uh, Coach Figuera. So this coming Saturday down in Kansas, uh, we're going to kick off the sweater vest Saturday in uh, fitting fashion. And uh, then hopefully we can... Uh, bring that same kind of uh, energy to our first home game and uh, fans can get a little excited about that as well so we're looking forward to it awesome yeah it's definitely a sharp look it's better than a windbreaker or just a shirt and tie I know some of the teams uh, do that and that's okay you know it's if you're okay with mediocre but I know you guys like to go above and beyond to bring the style to the Newman Flanagan Center yeah they do and and one of the things that comes along with being a student coach in our program is your game day style will get critiqued mercilessly by me and so you know Bobby and Ethan they've really stepped up their game after me ridiculing them at times last year for what they were wearing so those guys they always look sharp no doubt about it well coach I know I'm excited I know a lot of people are excited to see how you guys get going here at the beginning of the season so uh, we certainly wish you luck I know you don't need a lot of luck because you guys have been working hard and I know you have a lot of guys who are hungry to get out there and have a successful season so uh, hopefully in a week we're talking about three big wins for the program and and on next week's podcast we'll talk about the upcoming games 
So with that, we're going to go into some listener emails now. And so I'm going to turn it over to Bobby. He's got some of the listener emails. And I do need to apologize. I know several of you sent some questions in. And uh, there were some technical issues with that email address. So it's not that we've been ignoring your questions on purpose. It's just those were getting routed to a folder that I didn't know existed. So uh, we did find those, and we're going to get through a few of those questions today. Do make sure you keep sending those in because we do love to get those questions. Uh, And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Bobby. Bobby, what do you have for us? So first question we have here, I know people remember a couple weeks ago we had Athletic Director Nick Nelson on and we kind of got his take on offense and defense and uh, what wins games and potential championships. And then we obviously know Coach Figuera's stance on uh, offense and defense and that uh, that sense. So our first question, uh, person who asked us wants to remain anonymous. The question is, does defense win championships? Well, you know, I know that's a popular saying in the sports world. I think... Offense wins championships coupled with good defense, you know, and and I'll look at the NBA level, you know, right now, obviously the Warriors have been unbelievable and their offense has been amazing, you know, top one or two in the league for a number of years now. I do think what separated them from being pretty good to elite was when their defense got really good. You know, there were some years in there where they were in the top three, four, five in the NBA defensively. And that's something we talk to our guys a lot about, too. You know, anybody who watches us knows offense is, a, is an emphasis for us. It's a point of what we do to try to score points. At the same time, you can't just be really good at, at one and bad at the other. You know, I think to be elite, you have to be elite at one of those and pretty good at the other one. And so whichever way that works for you, I personally believe it's offense first and, and defense try to be really good. But uh, – so, no, short answer, I don't think defense necessarily wins championships. Well, and there's certainly no shortage of offense in this conference. And I think, you know, everyone's well aware of how successful this conference has been, how well this conference has performed at the national level. And so I just looked it up on Wikipedia, actually. I looked up the term basketball and uh, just the generic term basketball. And the objective is to outscore the opponent, to put it in a few words. So uh, a lot of that Enough happens said, on the Matt. offensive side of the court. All right, so our second question here uh, comes from a former teammate, uh, Mark Esser, if you, that name rings a bell. A little bit. So the question for Coach Figueroa, what is your stance on players celebrating after a good play? For instance, if they hit a three-pointer, are you okay with them doing the guns in the holsters? Full disclosure, that might have happened when I was a player. You know, I think there's a time and a place. You know, you, you can't celebrate every single time you score. You know, there's certain times in a game where it's a big play, it's a big shot. And there's certain players that that thrive on emotion, I think, in the game. And certain times players maybe let that emotion overcome them to the negative. But I'm okay with it. You know, anybody that watches us plays knows that we've had some teams that maybe play with a a confident swagger. Maybe that's the polite way to put it. You know, so I'm okay with it. Absolutely. So are you saying you're an emotional player at Dana? At times. All right, so our last question here actually comes from a couple of former players, both involving uh, food for their questions. So we'll kind of combine it into one here. Uh, the one's from Michael Collison, and then the other's from uh, last year graduate of 2018, Dylan Janicek. Um, the first one asks, what are your top five lunch spots on Hamilton Boulevard? And then Dylan Janicek also wants to know, uh, what is your Mount Rushmore of Sioux City restaurants? It can be fast food, dine-in, lunch, or dinner. Woo! Putting me on the spot here. All right, I'm going to start with Mike's first. 
Um, Hamilton Boulevard, top five lunch spots. That's the question, correct? Correct. All right, so you have to have Pickerman's on that list. Pickerman's a great soup and sandwich place owned by a Briarcliff basketball alum. Great soups at Pickerman's. I would put Opa Time on there. I'm a sucker for a good Euro. They have really good ones at Opa Time. Pita Pit is absolutely in there. I go there all the time. For the longest time, pretty much everybody who worked there knew my regular order, which is a little embarrassing, I guess. So a newer one, you know, and, and Michael asking this question hasn't been around for a few years. There's a place called Thousand Degrees Neapolitan Pizza. It's become a quick favorite of mine. They do a great job supporting Briarcliff people. They have a great Briarcliff deal there every day of the week. Um, and it's fast, it's cheap, and it's really good pizza. So I definitely have to throw that in. And then I'm going to throw Popeye's in the mix because I love Popeye's chicken. And just went there the other day, and, and that's a newer addition to Hamilton Boulevard too. But there's no shortage of good lunch spots on Hamilton Boulevard. And honestly, I have to add one more to the mix here. I just thought of it, and Coach Power was on the show a little bit ago. There's a Chinese place called Walk and Go, and this will be the fifth year, yes, fifth year in a row that the men's basketball and women's basketball coaching staffs have gone to Walk and Go pretty much every Thursday during the basketball season. And uh, we call it Walk and Go Thursday. So I have to throw that in the mix too. You didn't uh, bring up any of the burrito places, but I got to ask – Cadoba or Pincheros? Personally, I prefer Cadoba. You can't really go wrong. No, you can't. And, and, you know, again, there's a lot of places on Hamilton that do such a good job of supporting Briarcliff. And both those places have great deals for Briarcliff people. Um, you know, I know Pincheros is on Monday. Cadoba, I think, does something every day. So it, there's a lot of businesses that really support Briarcliff, Briarcliff Athletics. And, you know, so we need to spread the wealth on Hamilton Boulevard lunch. Yeah, in fact, I was going to bring up uh, a good spot is One-Eyed Jack's over by uh, the bowling alley here. Uh, they've got some of the best wings in town. Uh, there's a lot of competition for wings here in town. Obviously, you've got Townhouse and uh, Bob Rose and some of those places. But since we're talking Hamilton Boulevard, uh, I think uh, they've definitely got to get thrown into the conversation just because they're a great spot for lunch or dinner. Absolutely. And Here's why I don't include them, Matt, is because I don't generally view that as a lunch place. And I know they have lunch. It's actually become my Wednesday night dinner place after home games. It's one of the few places around Briarcliff that's open serving food past 10 o'clock. And so we started going there a couple of years ago, and, and they always stay open. They have the grill going still and full menu. So it's, it's kind of nice on those Wednesday night home games. I usually don't eat dinner before the game. And so I need something to eat, and, and it's a great spot for that. I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, jump in here and answer the second part of that question from Dylan about the Mount Rushmore. And I think you have to answer that from what are the quintessential Sioux City institutions and, and foods. And I think a couple of things that have to be on that list, and I'll get your input here in a second, Coach, but uh, La Juanita's uh, over on Pier Street, uh, beef burrito or a, a chorizo taco, those are my two go-tos there, and a Charlie Boy from Miles in. Those, in my opinion, have to be on the list. What do you think about those? I agree with one of the two. And uh, my Mount Rushmore, top four restaurants in Sioux City. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about Miles Inn, absolutely. Charlie Boy, that is Sioux City in my opinion. I'm going to substitute out La Juanita's, and I'm going to substitute in Jim's Burgers. It's okay. probably my favorite spot to go eat lunch in town. The wet burrito is phenomenal. Their breakfast is awesome. You know, I, I go there more than I care to admit. So Jim's Burgers is absolutely on that list. And, and knowing Dylan Janicek and the class of 2018, all four of those guys are going to like that answer because those guys love to Jim's Burgers. From there, I'm going to throw Jerry's Pizza in the mix. It's definitively the best pizza in Sioux City, in my opinion. 
And, and finally, my fourth on this Mount Rushmore of Sioux City eateries, I'm going to go in a completely different direction than my first three, talking pretty fast, casual, quick, but really good food. My last one is Cahill's over in South Sioux City. A little bit of an upscale steakhouse, but that place has some great food. Their Sunday brunch is amazing. Um, so there's my four right there, Bobby. Sioux City is an underrated food town. Uh, there's certainly no shortage of, uh, you know, Mexican food here in town. No shortage of pizza. Yeah. I mean, it's in, it's, you know, when you talk about pizza, I think BAs can be thrown into the conversation. In my opinion, uh, Jerry's is, is at the top of Let's my list. Let's throw townhouse in the conversation townhouse when we're talking pizza sure. and wings for that matter. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, uh, if any prospective Briarcliff students are listening to this and you want to go to a, a food town, definitely consider Sioux City. There's, there's a lot going on here on the food scene in Sioux City. So we're going to wrap up here in just a second, but of course we have to have our, our shout out segment. And the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to give a shout out to some anonymous person down in Redfield, Iowa. I just saw on the news that somebody down in central Iowa had a winning Powerball ticket for last night's jackpot. And my mother-in-law actually lives very close to Redfield, so I've got my fingers crossed that uh, she bought a ticket at the Casey's in Redfield, although I haven't heard anything, which either means she's uh, planning and keeping it secret or she wasn't a winner. But uh, certainly uh, hope it was a Briarcliff supporter who, who won that money because uh, we, we would certainly love to, to talk a little bit more about how we can uh, work together to, to boost Briarcliff. Yeah, and my weekly shout-outs, I actually have three this week, a little out of the ordinary. I try to keep it to one. First off, Kevin Potabom, our sports information director, he's not here today. He is having his twins baptized. So shout-out to him, his wife, and, and their two young twins. Second, have to give a shout-out to Coach Power for coming on the podcast. Coach Power's kind of a Briarcliff institution. He's won a lot of games here, had a ton of success with the women's program, and, and I'm excited to, to watch them and – Watch them get back on track this year and, and get things rolling again. And last but certainly not least, I had a glaring omission in last week's podcast. I, I told a story about being out in Hastings, Nebraska a couple of years ago and an abundance of coffee being consumed. I said it was with a friend of mine, and I left his name out of it. That, that friend is a guy named Lance Creech, who was the head coach at Hastings College when I worked there. He's now the high school coach there in town. And uh, he and I have remained really close, and, and so I apologize. And, LC, there's your shout-out for the week. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. Like we've said, we are now weekly, so make sure you're checking iTunes and or SoundCloud uh, every Tuesday to get your weekly dose of BC Buckets podcast. From here on out, we'll be talking about games on the upcoming schedule, uh, how previous games went, uh, talking about different things that are going on in the season. And we'll continue to get guests in here so you can hear from other people from around Briarcliff, from around the athletic department we'll try to even get a few people who can give us some perspective on uh, maybe some of the opponents that we're facing on the calendar so again reminder uh, Tuesday the 30th at 7 p.m. here in the Newman Flanagan Center make sure you get down here to come watch our women play Dakota State University uh, with that I'm going to wrap things up here for Coach Figuera for Bobby Beach Patterson my name's Matt Gall thanks for tuning in we'll see you next week